0: I think that was me feeding back, wasn't it? Sorry. Uh, good morning. Welcome. That's me. Definitely. Uh, welcome to 6-8. I've got like a lot of stuff up here, so I'm a little bit scatterbrained this morning. Um, gosh, it is cold out there. And God bless you guys. You must be like really strong Christians to come out in this stuff. But the good news is that I think this is the last of the really cold days. And so we go into... And I, I think one day this week, it's supposed to be like 52 degrees. Right? So that's a good thing. Um, somebody won $540 million last night. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. But that was nice Powerball. Jeez. I, I, I literally checked. I went on my phone, and it's back down to 40000000 million. I'm like, dude, somebody actually won that. Hey! Is he here? The little baby Casper! Wow, first day out. Gosh, he came out on a cold day, too. That is a champion child. Um, Today, we begin a new series entitled uh, Ruin to Renovation, and it is continuing our spiritual formation and discipleship discussion, which we began, you know, back in the fall, maybe even before that. Um, Dallas Willard's book, uh, Renovation of the Heart, has been very influential in, in developing this uh, series and all of these sermons, and many of his words will come out in, in this stuff, so you guys uh, should know that, but I, I'd encourage you to go home today and click on Amazon or wherever you buy your books from and get that book and r- start reading it as we go through this series. Um, repetition and learning from various sources always helps for compre- comprehension and, assim- and assimilation. We know that. And so we want to hit this from all angles. My, my goal as a pastor is not just to preach at you, right? But it is to equip you to give you tools for further growth and study. And I, and I want to do that. And I think we're, we're trying to do that even better at six, eight. So you're going to have these sermons, right? You can come every Sunday. You can listen to these sermons. If you don't make a Sunday, remember you can go online and listen to it online. They are up by Monday on, on the website. You, you'll have the book. It is a it's a powerful read. It's a it's one of those things where you're going to have to like ingest a, a like a chapter at a time and maybe a paragraph at a time. But sometimes it's a really good, good, good book. Um, so uh, it also has a, stud, a separate study guide called uh, "Renovation of the Heart and Daily Practice," which is like like one or two page little uh, vignettes that you, you can, you can kind of use as a quiet time or supplement your quiet time. And you'll have your community group discussions if you're involved in a community group and all that, you know, uh, throughout this series to engage us well with this whole topic of spiritual formation. Um, we also have this guide and I want to stop this because I want to explain this a bit. We spent some money on this stuff, so I want you to use it. (laughs) Um, and and Jordan, God bless her. She sat there and stuffed these things and and put these 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 things in there. Jordan is queen here at Six Eight. I am really grateful for her. But what this is is in the front page there is uh, directions, and then I've included the this first week's questions from this sermon. All right. Typically, what we do here at Six Eight is we. All of our community groups discuss the sermon every week, and so what I have done in the past is I write the sermon, and at the end of the sermon, I put in questions for the community group leaders. Um, what I've done now is I've separated those questions out to a separate document, and every Monday when the sermon goes up, uh, the, the sermon in audio, the sermon in text, and then the questions will be up on the website. So uh, if you're in a community group, you can cheat. Get started early and come well-prepared and sound really smart. Um, or sound really diligent. But um, if, you, if you are not able to make it to a community group, there's also the questions. You can use this as your own personal sort of time during the week to, to really ingest this stuff better. So you have the first week. Uh, these are here for the taking. Uh, the next week, you'll come to church. You'll hear the sermon. On Monday, you'll go to the website. Uh, you will do this, right? Everybody say, I will do this. All right, And you'll go on, you'll download the, the questions, you'll print them out, and you'll put them in your book, and you'll take notes, and you'll have this forever and ever and ever, and you can refer back to it, because I do think that this series is going to be that powerful for us. I think it's going to be great. Um, what we're going to do today, uh, we also have the Lexio Divina books, all right, and i and. This is the, the new one from January through June of 2018. So if you already had one that looks just like this, that was for a past month. So this is totally different. Now, Jordan told me that the greeter that was handing these out last week was handing them to people. And some people said, oh, thank you, and took one. Other people said, "Ah, oh, no, you know, to be honest, I'm not going to use it. It's going to sit on my coffee table and I'll never use it. I want you to take one of these. Dang it. <laughs> right? That's not a swear word. Um, I want you to take one, and I want you to leave it on your coffee table, and I want it to say to you, use me, use me, every time you walk by it. You may not use it this year. You may use it next year, whatever, but it will be there for your use. Let it speak to you, okay? So there's a lot here. We spent a lot of money on these things. Take them just at least for the sake of me feeling better about spending the money, all right? So What we're going to do is later on, when we do communion, you guys are going to come up. You're going to come over here. After you take communion, you're going to grab Alexio Davina if you don't already have one, and then one of these other binders. And God bless you. That's where we're going. (laughs) Boy, I'm I'm a little intense this morning, I guess. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, so where am I here? So uh, you have all that. I'm going to be praying for you guys. As we go through this series, sort of as we get deeper in the life of Jesus together, I am really, really excited about what we're doing. This is a good year. Last night we had our leadership appreciation dinner downtown. We had a great time. Ruggieri's couldn't make it. We missed them. But we just really had a good time. And I said to all of them, I said, you guys are the people leading this church. I am so pleased with this team of people, and I'm so pleased with, I'm getting emotional, but going into 2018, we are going into some really good stuff, so be excited. Um, So today, in the beginning here, we want to familiarize ourselves, just simply familiarize ourselves with what we're going to uh, pursue in this series, so let's begin with prayer to calm the pastor down. (laughs) Oh, Father, I do. I am excited. Oh, gosh, I am so excited. And I and I know that's good. That's good to be excited. But I don't want that excitement to sort of just be looked at as, oh, that's just Him. I want that to uh, sort of pour over and overflow into all of us. So we ask that this morning you would speak uh, strongly and clearly to all of us, if there is something in our hearts, in our thinking, in our minds right now that any one of us that is blocking, that, that our ears are, are blocked up, our eyes are clouded, that we can't see, I pray that you would take that thing away, take that thing out of our thoughts this morning, and that you would breathe life into us as we explore your word and these principles together. You are so, so, so good to us. And there is so, so much more of you to understand and experience. And you never grow old. That is the lie that we believe, that we've heard it all before. It is your word that comes to life in different ways over the time that we spend with it. So we pray that you would do that for us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. Very familiar story. Um, And remember, she's a Samaritan, and she's a woman. Oh, right? Um, It's 2018. But um, she's a Samaritan, she's a woman. Two things that would have, you know, sort of created a social-cultural barrier between her and a jewish rabbi or you know any well any jewish man at that point right and any any other rabbi would not have been uh would not have acknowledged her he wouldn't have talked with her he he wouldn't even have been in that area in her vicinity but instead think about this that jesus engages directly with her Jesus meets with her. He disregards all of these social mores, which is exciting to me, which says very clearly to us, all of us, that Jesus is available to every single person, no matter who they are, right? He is available to every, every single person, and he puts himself directly in our path, right where we're going in our daily lives. And what he promises her, he promises us, right? What he promises her, he promises us. And their discussion centers around the water that she's come to draw at the well, right? So he's using this. He's using physical thirst and our need for water. And we know that you can go without food longer than you can go without water. I mean, you really need water, right? Water is life-giving. And um, so he uses this physical uh, thirst and our need for water as an imaginative tool and, and, and Jesus says to her in verses 13 and 14, he says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, right? But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read that twice. Listen to this. Everyone who drinks this water, using the water in the well as an image, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Bless you. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then again, later in the temple courts to a large crowd, Uh, He proclaims basically the same thing, and this comes in the midst of, of all of them in that crowd wondering if he's actually the Messiah that has come to save them. And he says this, and this is John chapter 7, he says, "...let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink." Now, we intuitively know he's not talking about water. Jesus isn't sitting there with a thermos and a plastic cup saying, come to me and drink. That's not what's happening. We know what he's talking about. Everybody there knows what he's talking about. He's talking about life, right? Whoever believes in me, he says, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So, Drink what I give you, and it not only will satisfy you, but it will well up within you, and it'll pour out of you to other people. Isn't that exciting? I've asked Katie Bogle, because she's better at this than I am, to lead us in a prayerful exercise this morning to just sort of prepare us. So why don't we go into that prayerful posture and let Katie lead us through this.
1: All right. So for the next few moments, I'm going to lead you in an imaginative prayer exercise. So let's close our eyes and go quiet in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let yourself sink into your chair, connect with your breath, the breath that the Lord himself breathed into you. And use your imagination to get a picture of this living water within you. What does it look like in your mind's eye? And now imagine that you're parched, you're thirsty. You've drunk little in days, it's hot outside. You've been walking in a desert which is representative of your life. You've looked for water, finding only tepid pools here and there, warm, unsatisfying, dirty, and impure. You've drunk from them anyways, but they didn't quench your thirst. Suddenly, Jesus is standing in front of you. You drop to the ground, unable to stand any longer. He kneels, cradling your head, <coughs> holding a canteen to your lips, and you drink deeply. This is His Spirit his life. He's pouring it into you. As it hits your stomach, a tingling floods your veins from fingertip to toe, throughout your limbs. It's cool. It's refreshing. And so sit with that image, that feeling for a moment, drinking in the water as your eyes drink in the vision of him. Now imagine he takes the empty canteen away. Fear overtakes you, afraid he'll leave you and you won't get more. You still have a long way to go. But as he looks at you, you realize your thirst is gone. You have no need any longer, and he's not going anywhere. All your desire is satisfied in him. Life is surging within you, overflowing out of you, coming out of your pores and flowing down your limbs. Feel it. You're dripping wet, totally satisfied as the water flows down and away from your feet, out and away from you, Wherever it flows in the dry ground, life blooms, greenery appears, flowers grow, and fresh pools form. Let yourself feel that. And Jesus just laughs at seeing your joy as he lifts you to your feet suddenly all strength is back you walk with ease the pain in your head is gone, heat stroke is avoided despite the sun you're cool and refreshed holding his hand, walking now through a verdant colorful valley and so just enjoy that image for a few more moments
0: Open your eyes. Does that feel good? When you think about that, it feels good to me. I picked the right person for that, by the way. I want to put a chair next to my bed, and just Kim and I, like every night, just crawl into bed and have have Katie come over and just read us a bedtime story, right? Yeah, a little lullaby. Like Goldilocks. And Goldilocks ate all the porridge, and she was really tired. Um... (laughs) But it does feel good thinking about that. That's, you know We went through that Animate series and we talked about using our, our imaginations to engage with the Scriptures. And this is exactly what, what that practice is. And that's the life that we're pursuing in this series. That's the life we're pursuing with Jesus. The kingdom of God welling up within us and pouring out to the world around us. And that's, that's an exciting thought. And as we read his words... Jesus' words, His very words to us, right? They speak of this divine life that beckons to us and calls to us. A life free from the oppression of need. Free from unsatisfied desires. uh, You know, a full life overflowing and gushing with more and more life. A reproductive life, right? which flows out of us and and out to the lives of others around us, to other people, not keeping that life to itself, but giving it away, feeding the thirst of everything around it. And that's a large order, to say the least. (laughs) It is. It really is. But it is life with Jesus. That is the life that we can have. That is available. It is obtainable. And that which we can have in, in in our own experience. And I dare say we should have it. That's the way that we should be living. It is offered freely, to, and it's what we're called to live. That's how we're called to live. That's what we're called to pursue. Remember, the spiritual life takes effort. And the gospel isn't opposed to our effort. It's just opposed to our earning it. Right? Let me say that twice. The gospel isn't opposed to our effort. It is opposed to our earning our salvation. Right? Right? You can't earn something you already have, right? Ephesians chapter 2, you know this, it's by grace through faith. And, And so you can't earn a gift, God's salvation, His grace to us is a gift, you can't earn a gift that you already have, but you can strive to understand it more, and to assimilate it more into your life, and live out of it more, right? And that's what we're talking about. But the problem is that the image that Katie just gave us is different than the spiritual life we typically imagine as modern Americans, I guess, right? The life we usually envision is one of walking in a dry valley, maybe, and that's where it's similar, but occasionally we, we only get a, a drink just long enough to sustain us. It's like we're doing a marathon through the desert and Jesus is the guy standing on the side with a little cup of water. We're like, and we keep running, right? A life where we trip and we fall constantly, where uh, you know our heads are spinning and sh- we have stress and despair constantly, with only Jesus showing up at the very absolute worst of times to get us over the hump, right? A life of sort of skinned knees and sprained ankles and sweat dripping in our eyes and stinging our vision to no end and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's the life that we usually envision, a spiritual life that we usually envision, We had an open mic uh, time, sharing time back in November, and if you remember, if you were here for that, suicidal thoughts were a theme in many of the people's lives that shared. And uh, sadly, those thoughts are more the norm for people in America than you would imagine, right? And Maybe some of us just aren't brave enough to say it out loud and in front of others. That's okay. You don't have to. But it is the truth. They say that America is one of the most depressed countries in the world, despite our affluence, despite how much we have. You remember I quoted Bill Maloney from Vigilantes of Love in a recent sermon where he said in his song Double Cure, one of my favorite songs, he said, so tired of all my toys, they never last for long, they keep dreaming, or beaming dreams and wishes to a big dish on my front lawn. Right? And we've all thrown the coinage down the the wishing well. We've all bought the lottery ticket. Somebody did yesterday, and they got it, right? (laughs) And guarantee you, they're going to have a lot of problems because of that, right? I would put up with the problems, probably. (laughs) the new The new car, right? We've bought the new car. We bought the house. We've gotten married. We've had the kids, we've, we've answered the ad, we've bought the toys, we've pursued the American dream in the hopes that it would all fill the void, and especially here on the main line. All of you guys are pursuing your, not only your master's degrees, but your doctorates and wow, that's going to make it. I'm going to be it, right? And you should. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. And I'm not poo-pooing houses and cars and all that kind of stuff either, right? Maybe you're in the middle of your American dream or at the end of it and you've already figured out that deep down life isn't found there, right? It's not found in all that stuff. Maybe you're at the beginning of that journey and you're in college or you're just out of college and you're start, starting to build your own American dream. Well, listen to the wisdom of Scripture and listen to the wisdom of people that have gone before you that everything does fall short and fails after a time. Our toys never last for long. Bill Maloney is right. They don't have the power to satiate our real thirst for a deeper life, right? And that's why Jesus came, a life connected to our Creator. As St. Augustine says, or said, past tense, he's dead now, our souls are restless until they rest in you. Our souls are restless until they rest in you. So toys, cars, kids, houses, spouses, money and the like, they aren't bad things. They are, they're good things. But when pursued to bring total security and happiness and fulfillment and all that stuff, they can't deliver for the long haul. They can't do it. It's even unfair and it's even unhealthy to put that kind of pressure on somebody else like your spouse or a friend or a family member or anything like that. These things weren't meant to satisfy at that level. They don't have the power to do it, although they do serve their purposes and they are to be enjoyed and they are blessings after all. and We can enjoy them. You know, in that open mic time, Saina spoke of how she used her imagination to connect with Jesus and there seemed to be so little hindering her pursuit. She was so innocent. She was so pure in that. It was nice to hear. And at age 17, she made her daddy proud, Right? Maybe we're like that. Or maybe we should have been like that, right? It reminds me of Super Tramps The Logical Song, and Todd Hall wants me to sing it. I will not. But uh, <laughs> it speaks of being formed and shaped up and away from this beauty of life, right? This freedom, this wonder of life. And it says, When I was young, it seemed life was so wonderful, a miracle. Oh, it was beautiful, magical, and all the birds in the trees, well, they'd be singing so happily. Oh, joyfully, playfully watching me. But then they sent me away to teach me how to be sensible and logical and, oh, responsible and practical. And they showed me a world where I could be so dependable. Oh, clinical, oh, intellectual, cynical. There are times when all the world's asleep. Don't you feel that? The questions run too deep for such a simple man. Won't you please, please tell me what we've learned? I know it sounds absurd. Please tell me who I am. We lose ourselves when we pursue all this stuff, right? I said, watch what you say, or they'll be calling you a radical, liberal, oh, fanatical, criminal. Won't you sign up your name? We'd like to feel you're acceptable, respectable, oh, presentable, a vegetable, right? I mean, don't you feel like that sometimes, like a respectable vegetable, right? That's what I feel like, like just robotic going through life. Yes, we have to grow up. We all have to grow up. We do have to be responsible, right? Not advocating irresponsibility. We have to become responsible, but we don't have to lose our wonder. We don't have to lose our passion, right? We don't have to give all that up. I I love being married to Kim. Kim looks at the world like uh, she's like a teacher's eyes. Like she is so excited about things. She's like... She's always like reading the National Geographic and did you know that blah, 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 And she tells me all these things and she looks at birds and she looks at trees and she just gets so excited. It's so exciting to, to live life through her eyes sometimes. that's We can live like that. Our childlike attachment to Jesus, right? After all, in John 12, he says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become Children of light. He's not talking, you, talking regress to irresponsibility. But he is talking about reliance. Right? And in Matthew 18 he says, Truly I tell you, unless you change, unless you transform, you're spiritually transformed, unless you change and become like little children in your reliance on God, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven childlike reliance living in his light it's not just about getting saved it is about living life with jesus let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them oh, i want i want i want to get there and have jesus pat me on the back and say man just rivers flow out of you Good job, Jason. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? Believe in me. Believe means to be assured that someone or something is capable of satisfying a particular need for you. Right? Meaning to believe in Jesus that we come to the point of assurance that Jesus is not just capable of saving us from hell, but it is capable of satiating our deep longing and desire for true purposeful life. And until we do so, our souls remain restless. They remain restless. And we become the cynical, acceptable vegetable blown and tossed about by every new wave of teaching or cultural philosophy. By the way, they're not new cultural philosophies. They are old things that are recycled throughout history. If you do your history lessons, you'll see that all the thinking that we think is so new and progressive is just cyclical. It comes back and around, back around, back around. Nothing new. We may be progressive in technology, but we're not progressive in our hearts We're not progressive in how... We don't think differently than Paul did. Paul was just as smart as us, if not smarter, right? He's not an old stupid ancient that we need to forget and forget, you know, all that stuff. God is working. God is working, right? Sadly, many Christians never find their way into the life Jesus calls us into, or if they do, they only find it very slowly and with great difficulty over time, right? Right? Just because we are at peace with, with God, in other words, we have salvation, and we've said this recently in other sermons, doesn't mean that we're living in peace with Jesus, right? That we're being transformed, that we're being sanctified, that we're involved in that process together along with Jesus. We can be justified in Christ, legal terms, right? But we, we can still not live as true children of God in both blessing and suffering of life. And possibly the reason is an issue of our imaginations. That maybe the life that we see portrayed in the Scriptures as Jesus talks to us seems far off, it seems unattainable. It's so unlike our experience and the everyday world that we live in that we can't imagine experiencing the deeper life of Christ ourselves. And that's something we've got to get over. And if that's the case... If we really feel that way, then the very words of Jesus, which were intended, that he intended to bring us life, end up being words which actually discourage us. Because we just read them and say, ah, I'm not there. I can't get there. They bring hopelessness instead, don't they? But if Jesus said it, I'm here. This is why I'm here today. <laughs> this is my purpose in the world right now, today, in this moment. If Jesus said it, it is available and it is attainable. You need to hear that. All the things out there in the world that want to bring you down and crap on your life, Jesus said it, it is available and it is attainable. Therefore, logic tells us that the problem isn't in the offer or the one offering it, but it is in us. Rather, it's, it's, it's in us. We, we are missing something. Possibly we've gone about it all wrongly, right? We don't approach and we don't receive this divine life in the way that it was intended for us to receive it. And when we read things like we're new creations in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone, the new has come. You know that verse, right? We don't fully believe it to be true. It's the dilemma of true belief. We don't really believe it. We say we believe it, but we don't really believe it. And where there's a will, we don't always automatically know the way. Sometimes there's a need for us to understand what exactly should be done or how something can be accomplished or achieved, right? It's possible we need to understand the tools with which to realize that divine life and the order of their use as tools to attain it, to go deeper, right? See, most of the time, and it's become commonplace in the Christian church, where we just feel like a mess, right? And we believe God can work in our chaos. Well, God can work in this craziness, right? Ooh, well, whatever. But we've we got to understand, spiritual formation is an orderly process. God can work in the mess. He's God, right? He can work in the mess and he can work in the disorder of our lives for sure. But he's set forth an orderly—you know—he's set forth an orderly process by which we can participate with him, which we're called to be participatory with him in. We can orderly walk through building our spiritual formation in partnership with Jesus, making good choices making good choices and refusing to do so is actually to limit god since he's not one to coerce us or to force himself upon us right if you want to read something nice go back to that where that sign is back there on the well there's a little stack of these my heart christ's home and this is what it's very simple very quick read and it just talks about how jesus wants to spend time with you in your heart of hearts. And oftentimes, we disregard him and walk right out the door and leave him. And we come back home and he's still sitting there waiting for us. But we don't do it. All right? See, it's of little use pontificating what God can do. Well, he can work in the chaos. Or he's capable of in the chaos of our lives, right? It's much more useful to humbly accept how he wants Or has chosen to work in us. Right? There's a difference there. So these means or these tools are laid out in Scripture. They're portrayed very clearly in the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus. Showing us that we can participate strongly and orderly in our spiritual formation. And that's what we should be doing. So... From the very beginning, this is day one of this series. From the very beginning of this series, let's endeavor to throw off all of the burdensome or slow or ineffectual ways which we've tried to attain spiritual vitality in the past. Let's forget all that we've learned, or at the very least, let's set it off to the side for the time being, since some of it may be useful if we dust it off and come at it fresh. And if we have not at all considered our spiritual formation at all, you know, at, at one iota, and we've just kind of gone by and let life happen to us, let's begin to think. Let's begin to use our God-given brains. And let's begin to think about how we can participate with God more fully in the forma- our formation into the likeness of Christ. That's what we're going for. Kind of like when you were a kid, at least I did this, I don't know if you did this, but you you used to climb up on the back of your couch and look down. You always wanted to see, my dad's like six foot one, what does the world look like like that, you know? And you would climb up to the back of your couch and you'd look down at your living room to see it in a different way, right? A different perspective. Or you'd lay on your back on an open field and you'd get this fresh view of the sky appreciating all the clouds and the shape of the clouds and all that stuff. Like there's this whole other world going on above your head at which you've never really stopped and looked up at, right? So let's look at our spiritual formation in a different way. Let's stop. Let's lay in the grass of life. Let's breathe deeply all the smells around us. Let's soak in the peacefulness of a time with our Creator and let's look up to what Jesus has to say to us and wants to do in us and let's start to believe His words to us. And I say this because the spiritual life for many of us seems to be such a burdensome struggle, and I don't believe it needs to be. Jesus himself said, It is a light and restful way of life. Right? He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that nice? Take my yoke. You know what a yoke is, right? It's the thing they put on an oxen so he, carry, like he pulls a cart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burdens are pretty heavy in this world, right? See, that, those words are not reflective of our spiritual journey. Usually, typically, our spiritual lives are teeth clenched, white knuckled journeys, right? Outwardly religious, we look really good, but inwardly they're filled with tension and confusion. And I don't think God is a God of confusion. We're too impatient, we're too unbelieving of the small steps which quietly and certainly lead to inner transformation in our lives that they can and they will lead to an overflow of life in Jesus if we just take them. But that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? That's the problem. This is a journey of a thousand steps which begins with one. One step. Maybe taking your books. Maybe taking your Lectio Divina journals that we spent money on. (laughs) Just, Just reminding you, you know. But it is, it's a journey of a thousand steps and it begins with one. And all the old hindrances which derail us from putting on the new self, taking off the old self and putting on the new self in Christ can be removed from our path and even mastered. I'm not, I'm not preaching health and wealth here. I believe we are to suffer for Christ. I, God bless us, man. We, I am ready to suffer for Jesus. But I don't think that I can. I, I think I can suffer well, really well, right? God challenged Cain in this. In this, with and this is one of my. This is this is a great passage. He, but he challenged Cain in this when Cain brought gifts from his garden, which were not the top of the garden. They, they weren't the best. Um, they weren't the cream of the crop, right? He kind of brought brought the leftovers. And while Abel, his brother, brought the most choice gifts from his flocks. He raised flocks, right? And they brought those to the the Lord. And God looked on favor uh, with Abel's gift, but not on Cain's. And Cain got angry about that. If you remember the story, it's in Genesis chapter 4. And God asked him, he says, why are you angry? (laughs) Why are you angry with me? Why is your face downcast? Right? You have these discussions with your kids sometimes. Why do you get mad at me? You're the one that made the choice. right? Why are, you, why are you angry with me? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Right. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. It's going to take you. right? But you must rule over it. You must rule over it. Right? See, Cain invited his own misfortune by holding back on the Lord. He, hold, he held back on God. Did God need veggies? No. <laughs> he didn't need veggies, but he did need Cain's full attention. He needed Cain's all of Cain's trust, but Cain was acting in a way of fear or distrust that God's not... I, I better save the best for myself because, and just give him the leftovers because I really need this. I, you know, may, who knows what he was thinking or feeling, but that's typically what we think. God needed his full attention and Cain wasn't giving it to him. And, and Cain, Cain wasn't fully reliant on God and all that, but he was reliant on his self. He was controlled by his own desires. So often, our gifts that we bring aren't the choicest. But the leftover, right? Leftover time, leftover money, leftover resources, leftover emotion. Jesus is the afterthought and not the first thought. Right? The afterthought and not the first thought. And it's no use getting angry at God when we don't truly wish to be in relationship with him. When we say we want it, but we don't really want to do the work to be in relationship with him. Jesus offers life unreservedly. We can't transfer anger to Him when we refuse to give Him our best. It's just unfair. We bring destruction upon ourselves and most pain in our life is uh, incurred is self-inflicted. We're going to talk about that more next week. Here's a hopeful, life-saving thought and insight which we should listen well to. Let me say it we can increasingly live in wholeness and holiness and kingdom power. We can increasingly live in wholeness, holiness, and kingdom power. There's no reason that we should walk in despair or fear or defeat. I'm not saying that we won't suffer. But there's no reason we should walk in despair, fear, or defeat. Rather, we can have a life overflowing with Christ and that is attainable with victory over sin and victory over circumstances available to us who follow Jesus with a whole heart. Believing with full assurance that He is the source of life and He is the living water that is welling up and overflowing out of us. But here's the thing. Not facility, facility, Not program, not talent, not speaker, not these sermons, as great as they are. Or budget can create this in in you or for you. As a matter of fact, the life Jesus offers is totally and absolutely free. It is not dependent on any of those things, although they are all tools which are helpful in that journey. In the end, it's not even dependent on how well I preach to you or how well this church does or anything like that. Although we know that we are, if we're all unified in our pursuit towards, towards Christ together, that we can aid each other along in this journey of faith. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So iron does sharpen iron. We do help each other in this process. But at the core of the matter, is it, it is only your response to Jesus, yourself, which can produce this satisfying life. You have to walk it out with Him. In unity, we can follow Him together. Becoming the true ecclesia of God, the body of Christ, right? An image of heaven on earth which is illustrated in and to which we're called to experience and participate in as we see in the Lord's Prayer, right? And in that prayer, Jesus instructs us not only in how to pray, but also in how to live. Listen to it. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And this is the scary one, right? But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ah, What do you do with that one? In praying this, right, typically we naturally tend to think it's all God's doing, right? Outside of us just praying, right? But we're praying for God to do all the work. That's what we're praying. That's, That's how we think about it. But notice how interactive and how participatory this prayer is. You know, somebody's got to hallow, which means to honor. Somebody's got to honor God's name in their lives. You know, his kingdom has to work through somebody. Somebody's got to eat the bread they give him. He gives them, right? For his will to be done on earth, someone on earth must decide to do it and follow through with the actions in reliance on him. He works through the church. We must forgive others. And if we don't, what does that do to our spiritual formation? If, we're, if we say we believe in Jesus, but we walk around angry, unforgiving, bitter people, there's something not right there. Verses 14 and 15 seem to communicate this breakdown in relationship at the very least, assuming at the very least that we're hindered in our intimacy with God if we don't act in godly fashion towards others. Remember Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And that is like willy-nilly totally free forgiveness, right? He, He forgave the people that nailed Him on the cross. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Maybe our sins... Are not forgiven in a sense because we have not fully given ourselves to Jesus yet. Maybe, maybe in doing so, uh, we would take on his heart for others and extend forgiveness to them. So, in conclusion, it's possible, it is possible, and that's, this is my proclamation to you today, just like I said earlier, to have what Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14 speaks of when it says this. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's available to everybody. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So there is a a sin and non-sin things in the world. Uh, Contrary to popular belief in popular Christianity, there are sinful things that you have to make choices on, right? And and, and, And the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we b- wait await the blessed hope remember over christmas we talked about future hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good There was a quote I read recently talked about like getting to the point where we don't even have to think about doing good. That it's just a natural occurrence, right? Something to that vein. We are the ecclesia, right? The body of Christ, the the called out ones. That's what scripture calls us. And it is possible to be living the life of Christ to its fullness, individually and corporately. And in so doing, we will do what we, we explored and animate, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We will be transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So in the coming months, we're going to explore this together. And I would urge you guys to make 2018, the year that you seriously, seriously begin to grow in discipleship with Christ and discipleship with others. Seek Jesus. right? Walk together well. Encourage, challenge, and above all else, love each other towards Jesus. Because it is that important. And I, I will challenge you. You cannot if you if you take that home and you take that home and you start to practice this stuff and you start to listen to Jesus, you start to listen to the Holy Spirit and you get into the Word and you really take this seriously and you engage for this whole year, there is no way that you can come back to me at the end of twenty eighteen and say, I didn't change at all. He didn't do anything. In within a week you're gonna come back to me and say, Man, things are happening. Within a week and some of us, sadly, never experienced that. So that's my challenge to you. Do not go to sleep. Wake up and let's walk this out together. Uh, we are going to go to prayer now, but I want to point out we're going to pass the tithe boxes if you guys want to pass those. Um, we are a self-supported ministry. We, we pay for this place ourselves. We, we want to have enough money in the bank to bless this community and, and Syria and Lebanon, which we're in partnership with today uh, now. Um, in seeing Muslims come to Christ, and we just uh, we just want to give back to the lord if you 're new with us don 't feel at all obligated to put anything in that box. Uh, there are ways to give should be up on the screen soon uh, if you want to uh, do it a different way um, but as we go to prayer we I want to invite you guys this morning from now until the end of the service to come up and take communion, and as you take communion, you can just Take the cracker and you can dip it in the wine and then, and then eat it whenever you feel ready to come from now to the end of the service. And remember, as you come up, grab the, the materials and, and even, if you're, even if you're visiting us today and you're not coming back, grab it if you want and listen to the sermons online if you like. I'd love to hear if you, if you uh, take this someplace else and, and encourage other people with it. But let me go to prayer. Father, I thank you that you are here, that you are present We thank you for your words. Come to me and drink. Our thirst will be quenched, that it'll well up into us and overflow from us out to the world. We, that, you know, I, I truly believe that we were created in your image and that is exactly what we really truly want is to be people of purpose and life. We don't want to be violent people. We don't want to be angry people. We don't want to be just jerks and you know, overly opinionated people. We want to be people that bring life to others, bring peace and, uh, and purpose and fullness to the world. And we want to get to the end of this and have you pat us on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servant. So we ask that this year, we consecrate this year to you and we ask that you would start to break down, that you would start to let us give up all those things that hinder our walk all the sin that entangles us and keeps us from running strongly with you. We remember that night in the upper room where you met with your disciples and you set this whole thing in motion and you said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. This is my blood shed, poured out for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And we want to do this today. We want to proclaim your death and your resurrection once again, not only in our own hearts, but to the world around us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.